I want to introduce you to Daniela. Um, she's one of our volunteer teachers at the street. Um, she's amazing. And so she's going to be teaching us from Hebrews today. So I'm just going to pray for her before she starts. And then I'm sure she'll introduce herself more after that. But um, Father, I just want to pray for Daniela this morning. I thank you so much for the gifting you've given her. I thank you for um, the thoughts, the words that you have laid on her heart as she's um, spent time in your word. Lord, I pray that you would equip her now and anoint her to share that message with us powerfully. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts, that we would be soft-hearted, that we would open our ears to hear all that you would say to us today, and we would be willing to take it on board, to be transformed by your spirit today. And so we just pray for this time. I pray for your anointing on Danny this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Jenny. Good morning, everyone. How great is it to be at Ori's Rugby Club this morning? I get the impression that some people who were here last night maybe had a bit of food poisoning or something that Eden was a bit funky because there's a few traces of um, it on the pavement outside. But that's okay. We press on and do be aware that there are bits of broken glass. So if you're barefoot, don't be. (laughs) Put your shoes back on. Um, I want to talk to you this morning uh, about a movie that I saw not too long ago. And I'm a bit of a history buff. I love historical-based movies, particularly ones that are kind of monarchy-based to do with kingdoms and rulers. Um, and I saw this movie the other day, and I can't think of the name, but it was about this king and his rule and his son who was the heir to the throne. Um, but then there was this kind of big plot by the king's brother to overthrow the king because he wanted the throne, but he knew he was second in line to his nephew. So he wanted to kill the king and then he wanted to kill the nephew so that he would be the king. Um, The Lion King. That's what it's called. It's called The Lion King. Um, (laughs) Dramatic, political, violent. Um, One of my favorite movies. Um, That's right. The Lion King. If you haven't seen it, um, I give you permission to sneak out now. The local Salvation Army probably has it on VHS or something. Um, it's worth seeing. But the reason I talk about The Lion King this morning is not just because it's a great film. It's because ever since I started digging into this passage, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 5 to 9, for some reason, two words from a song in The Lion King kept coming back to me. And I thought it was pretty random. But the more I looked into it, the connection between the two words from the song and two words in today's passage became so clear. And for me, these two words, they get to the heart of what we can learn, what we can take, and where we can find our hope in Hebrews 2, verse 5 to 9. And so the song is, I Just Can't Wait to Be King. Absolute banger. Um, And as most of you know, this song is when young Simba uh, is getting really excited that one day he's going to be king. He's going to take his dad's place. He's going to rule the pride lands. He's going to be in charge. And he starts to get a bit too big for his boots. Starts to get a bit carried away. And he's picturing having all the power. And in this song is Zazu, right? Zazu, great character, voiced by the one and only Rowan Atkinson, if you didn't know that. Um, And Zazu's kind of like his mentor, his advisor, his guardian. Um, And all throughout the song, Zazu's speaking, uh, kind of speaking wisdom to Simba. Uh, and bringing him back down to earth, making sure he's not getting a bit too big for his boots. And it's two words that Zazu says at one point in this song that are the two words I'm getting at today. The two words, not 
yet. Do you know the part in the song? Everybody look, I'm standing in the spotlight. Not yet. Not yet. Words that can bring frustration, but can also bring freedom. A phrase that reminds us that something is going to happen, but it just isn't happening right now. It can cause both anxiety and anticipation, can't it? Not yet. For example, uh, the most common situation in which I heard these words when I was growing up uh, was when I would say to my mum and dad, can I open my Christmas presents now? And the reply would always come every time. This has never changed. Not yet. And that was because we had to go to church first. We had to go to the Christmas morning service. And in that response from my parents, the fact that I had gifts waiting for me under the tree was confirmed. The fact that I would unwrap them was confirmed. But it meant that the time for that had not yet come. It meant the time for that had not yet come. In my heart today, and what I feel God's been speaking to me and challenging me on over these passages, this part of the passage, is that not yet are the two words out of the 123 words that make up these verses that can bring hope, that can bring anticipation, and that can bring freedom for us who are in Christ and who know him. So before we get to the big not yet moment, um, there is some biblical connect the dots that we need to do with this passage. There's a few places we need to go to help it make sense. So we're going to get into it, but before we do that, can I pray? Let's pray. God, I thank you that when we are in relationship with you, we have so much hope. Uh, We have so much more meaning. We have so much more purpose, and that's through what you did through Jesus. And I thank you that today um, we get the chance to um, to dig into that. We get the chance to look at scripture that points to Jesus. Scripture that points to Jesus in, on the throne, Jesus in control, Jesus king of our lives, Jesus who gives us hope for tomorrow. So God, I pray you use, um, use the words that I may bring today, that we may be closer to you. Amen. So let's read. Get the clicker up on the screen. I don't have a clicker. Um, The first part, verse 5. For he has not subjected to angels the world to come that we're talking about. But somewhere, somewhere has testified. What is man that you remember him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him lower than the angels for a short time. You crowned him with glory and honor. And you subjected everything under his feet. And then it goes on. For in subjecting everything to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. As it is, we do not yet see everything subjected to him, but we do see Jesus made lower than the angels for a short time so that by God's grace, he might taste death for everyone, crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. How many times does the word subject get thrown around in there? If I don't know about you, but the first time I read it, messed with my head a bit, but we're going to break this down today so that we can understand it. So Verse 5, for he has not subjected to angels the world to come that we're talking about. Can we just go to the next slide? There we go. Um, Whenever we hear subjected to in the context of this passage, it might be easier for you to think of put under. Oh, let's go back one, please. Oh, we've got ourselves in it. There we go. That's where we want to be. Subjected to, put under. And 
So when this is saying he's not subjected to angels, the world to come that we're talking about, he's not put under angels, the world to come that we're talking about. And so therefore, what is the world to come that we're talking about? And we've got to realize that this is not just a purely, purely a future world. This phrase would have been very familiar to the audience of the book of Hebrews. And if you have been tracking with us uh, over the last few weeks, you would have um, learnt that Hebrews is written to Christian Jews, people who grew up and had lived in the Jewish faith but had responded to the gospel. And this letter is written to them to encourage them to keep on with Jesus and not to drift away like Jenny talked about last week, not to just let it drift on by. And so that's the audience. And this language, the world to come, is a familiar phrase to them. And it's a phrase which encompasses the idea of the world under the Messiah. The world that we know is the world since Jesus. And so basically, God has not put the world of Jesus, the world since Jesus arrived as Messiah, under angels. That's what this is saying. So if you're anything like me, I read that and go, okay, cool. So it's not under angels, then who is it under? Right? It means it's an obvious question to ask. And we get the answer as we keep reading when it says, but someone somewhere has testified. What is man that you remember him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him lower than the angels for a short time. You crowned him with glory and honor and subjected everything under his feet. For in subjecting everything to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. Again, this passage, can we just go back one? Sorry about the back and forward. Here we go. See the passage indented? This is a quote from Psalm 8. And do you remember when I said we're going to be doing some biblical connect the dots? This is where it starts. So Psalm 8 would have been familiar to the people receiving this letter. They would have been so aware of what this psalm was talking about. And the writer of Hebrews uses only a snippet of it in this passage. So it's helpful for us to read the whole of Psalm 8 in order to understand the essence of what Psalm 8 is capturing in order to understand why it's been inserted here. You with me? You get that? Why it's important? So let's read Psalm 8 from Psalm verse 3. It says, When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him? And a son of man that you look after him? You made him little less than God and you crowned him with glory and honor. We've heard that before, haven't we? We're going to get to that. Keep going. What do we read? Um, You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All the sheep and oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Lord, our Lord, oh, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You see, the writer of this psalm is getting at the fact that when God created the world, it was us humans that he chose to have dominion over the creation of this place. It was us that he chose to rule. And he's not just making this up. He's basing this on the authority that we gain through Genesis when we see God creating the world. So the biblical connect the dots continues as we move to Genesis 1 verse 26, which says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So that must be the answer then. Remember when I said it's not subjected to angels, then who is it subjected to? From what we read here and through the context of understanding Psalm 8 and Genesis 1, 26, the answer must be that the world was not put under angels because it was put under us. It was put under our rule. And Psalm 8 is 
thus a poem that someone wrote, almost, reflecting on the craziness that God would choose to do that. That's how it seems to read at first glance. And if that's true, then, and that was the plan all along, to leave us humans in charge of what's going on here, then, I don't know about you, but I think we're in a bit of trouble. Because we just have to look around. We just have to read the news, study the statistics, consider the horrible situations around the world. Famine, war, abuse, addiction, broken relationships, abuses of power, sickness. You know, when you look at where we've found ourselves, it doesn't seem like we've done the greatest job of that whole dominion thing does it? And it's not just a recent stuff up we've made. History points to this. History points to our failure to rule. Just stuffing things up a lot. So does that mean that the writer of Hebrews has made a mistake? Does that mean that he's made a mistake when he says that everything's been put under our rule and that everything will be subject to us? Because Based on my view of the world, it doesn't seem like everything's subject to us. It seems like everything's on top of us. It seems like we're not actually in control at all. Well, it's not quite, it's not quite what's going on here because you see, Jesus fits in. And this is where he shines through. You see, God, rather than letting us keep going until it was game over, until we stuffed it up so much that we had ruined ourselves, God sent his son Jesus to be the game changer. And that changes everything. And that means that in the context of Psalm 8 and Hebrews chapter 2 that we're looking at today, this game-changing truth means that we read these verses as not actually being about us and our rule at all. It's about Jesus and his ultimate rule that he achieved for us. On the cross. You see, through Jesus taking our place on the cross, he also took our place in these verses. Do you get that? Through Jesus taking our place on the cross and giving us the opportunity to hand over the rule we were entrusted and that we haven't really done a good job of, God has given us the opportunity to put Jesus' name into these verses and know that Jesus is on the throne if we choose to put him on the throne of our own lives. And with that in mind, we read on. We read on, we read on and we find that it says, oh, there we go. See, Jesus has put it in place of us. And instead of talking about our rule and us being in control because of what he achieved on the cross, it's under him now. And so we read, as it is, we do not yet see everything subject to him. It's verse 9 or verse 8, the next part. Get that on the screen, really. As it is, we do not yet see everything subject to him. Remember, now him is referring to Jesus. We do not yet see everything subject to Jesus. Understatement of the year, right? I don't know if you feel the same, but I look around and I'm like, Jesus, come and take over some of this mess. But we do see Jesus still. We see him made lower than the angels for a short time so that by God's grace, he might taste death for everyone, crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. You see, the writer 
of this passage is taking the same language from Psalm 8, flipping it on its head and confirming that Jesus has taken our place, confirming that Jesus is on the throne. And God's relationship with humanity all along has been pointing to this. All along has been pointing to game-changing Jesus. And remember those two words? Zazu's two words? Not yet. This is where they fit in. You see, what do we read? As it is, we do not yet see everything subjected to Jesus. What were we talking about before? That there's hope in not yet. That while it says it's not happening right now, not yet confirms that it will. Not yet confirms that it will. That the day will come when all of us is subject to Jesus and it's at his feet. Do you remember that picture Simon shared a few weeks ago of, of, of kings? They used to put their feet on the throat of the enemy when they had won. That, I remember being really, just found that such a challenging picture. And that will happen. The not yet of Hebrews 5 verse 8 proves that it will. Confirms that it will. What is coming is not yet what we see, but it is coming. And there is hope in this statement. You see, it doesn't say, as it is, we will never see everything subjected to Jesus. Does it? It doesn't say, as it is, we live in hope that maybe, if we're lucky, we'll see everything subjected to Jesus. As it is, we do not yet see everything subjected to Jesus. And maybe for you today, you needed a reminder of that hope. Maybe you feel like you're so swarmed with tough stuff. You haven't been able to see, grab sight of the hope that comes that he will be over all things. It will all come under his feet once and for all. But maybe some of you are wondering, well, why not now? Why not now? Because I don't know about you, but I'd like some of the mess to stop. I'd like some of the pain to stop. I don't know what each of you are going through, but I'm sure that right now there's a circumstance you can think of that if it was your choice, you'd say, okay, that can stop now. That can change now. That can be let go of now. I'd like freedom over that now. Everyone's got their own thing that they're dealing with, but I'm sure we could ask this question about something in our lives. And I just really felt God, um, I guess, whispering to me on this this week about the why not now. And that's because there's still too many people that don't yet see Jesus. Still too many people that don't yet know that Christ died and he rose again. And because of that, the rule that was entrusted to us that we stuffed up has been put on him. That it's not on us anymore. That when we say yes to that and we give over our right to control our lives, Jesus, the king, takes over. Too many people don't yet know that. Why not now? Because people are yet to see Jesus in their own lives. People haven't had the game changed for them by the knowledge that Jesus offers a new ending, one where he is on the throne. And there are people who don't yet realize that 
they have the opportunity to respond to that. And so, because of this reason, we wait. Because of this, we wait. Because when the day of Christ's return comes, the not yet will become the now. And there'll be no more opportunity for people to come to know Christ. So God waits because he doesn't want anyone to miss out. He waits because our temporary pain that breaks his heart, it's worth going through for the sake of the salvation of the lost. The wait is so that there's more time for God to reach people with his grace. And how does he do that? That's where it comes back to us. You see, our main task from God, from Jesus, is to share the gospel. Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus' final instruction. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. You see, we have been tasked with this, and there's still more to do. And I know that that doesn't necessarily take away the pain you're going through, but it does give hope. What we're hoping for is that the day will come when that will pass. And I don't know about you, but I want to enjoy that day with as many people as possible. With as many people from my world who don't yet know Jesus, I want them to be there with me on that day. Experiencing the rule, the overcoming of God once and for all. And so in light of this, the challenge that I've had and the challenge I want to put out there today is that what does your waiting game look like? If we know we're in a waiting period, if we know that it's to come but it's not yet, what are we doing with this time? Are we feeling the joy of the hope? Or are we feeling the frustration of it not being here yet? Are we feeling the anticipation of what's to come? Or are we bogged down with anxiety about the unknown? You see, we have a choice as to how we respond to the waiting game. And I don't know about you, but I don't want my waiting time to be wasted time. I don't want my waiting time to be wasted time. And so the knowledge of what is ahead for those of us who follow Jesus, it should change how we wait. The knowledge that pain, corruption, greed, the refugee crisis, poverty, sexual abuse, all of that will one day cease at the feet of Jesus. That knowledge should change how we wait. But is it? And that's the challenge today. And I'm about to wrap up because I think that there's some responding we can do. Um, And we've got this opportunity to respond in worship. Uh, But I'd like to put it out there that maybe today you need someone to stand with you and pray into the fact that you're more frustrated than you are free or you're more anxious than you are filled with anticipation. Because if you're caught in frustration at your current circumstances, that's real, but sometimes I think it loses sight of the hope that we have waiting for us. Because if the wait game's going to continue... And it will. We don't know when Christ will return. But if it's going to continue, so too 
well, what we're currently facing. And I can't change your circumstances, but I can tell you this, that God promises to hold you and to carry you through what you're facing, to strengthen you through your pain. And a a really cool uh, analogy I once heard from a woman that um, I really love, a writer called Brene Brown. She talks about God and how I think sometimes we cry out and we, we want God to be the epidural who takes away the pain. But we don't realize that the whole time he's being the midwife. He's holding us in our pain. He's crying with us. He's feeling it with us. And he's comforting us in that. And maybe that's something you needed to hear today. That while the epidural you're screaming out for might not be, might not be in sight, God, the heart of the midwife, is with you, holding you and comforting you. And, and maybe for you it is the anxiety issue. Maybe you're unable to find excitement about what God has in store because it just seems too far off or too far-fetched or just too good to be true. As we worship, can I encourage you to use this time to invite the Holy Spirit to share with you his truth, that it's worth getting excited about, that it's worth having joy for what's to come. Because whilst how we feel doesn't stop the waiting, it can change how we experience the waiting. And I don't know about you, but I would rather be filled with anticipation than anxiety. Or maybe you realize that your waiting is looking a bit more, your waiting time is looking a bit more like wasted time. And that you've lost sight of the fact that we've been entrusted with a task to do. We've forgotten that instruction from Matthew 28 that says go and make disciples. We've fallen a bit flat on our response to that instruction. And I know my prayer for myself is that God will continually lead me to opportunities and to moments where I can share him with people. I found myself this year starting my first corporate job in the real world, um, working at a law firm in the city. And I'm the youngest there because I'm a graduate. And from what I can gather, I'm the, clo- I'm the only Christian in the office. Uh, someone, I, I almost would describe it as religious atheism. <laughs> like they're so defensive of their atheist position. It's more, it's, it's just difficult to deal with sometimes. Um, and I, I found myself feeling a bit overwhelmed. How, how am I supposed to do this shining a light thing? How am I supposed to point to Jesus? But I know I want to. Because I know it's worth it. And maybe that's the challenge that you need to hear today. So I want to invite the band to come up. Um, and we've got this chance to worship. Because remember, Zazu was right when he told Simba that the time had not yet come. But spoiler alert, in case you haven't seen it, I'm sorry. Simba ends up on the throne, guys. Simba comes back. Kicks Scar off. And he takes control of his kingdom. And it's good. So I'm going to ask everyone to stand. And I'm going to pray. And if there's a challenge in what I've said today that's resonated with you, and it is something that you would like someone to stand with you and pray into, then please come forward. I'd love to pray with anyone. I know that we've got people that would be more than willing. Um, But you don't. Don't waste this wait time that we have as we worship. So let's pray. 
God, um, thanks for taking our place, Jesus. Thanks for doing the unthinkable, going through the most ridiculous pain and suffering for us because you, you believe we're worthy of it. And it, as a result, you're in charge, God. And for now we wait. But God, I pray that as we wait for the day to come that you return, that we will not, um, will not waste the opportunities that we get. But God, instead, we'll be full of the freedom that comes from the truth that you're in control. We'll be full of the anticipation that comes when we think of what's ahead of us, God. And Lord, that we'll be prompted and led and motivated to share you with others so that we can share in your glory with all of the people who are yet to know you. God, I just pray that you fill us right now, that you meet us with what it is each of us individually need right now, a deposit from heaven. May you bring it, may you use it to change us, and may the result be one that glorifies you. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you for the not yet. And we worship you in this time. Amen.